So, assalamu alaikum everyone, um, my dear brothers, my scholars, uh, my sisters. Uh, my name is Sadaf and I will be your moderator for today, inshallah. Uh, the topic that I've been given is very close to my heart. Um, I hold a master's degree in English language and literature and I have been a teacher for the past 20 years. I currently teach English to refugees for a nonprofit organization in Canada. And I've also been a part of the Islamic Madaris, uh, of, of Islamic Madaris both in uh, Dubai and Toronto for the past 14 years. Um, my current role is that of teacher's chair at Al-Hadi Madrasa in Toronto, and I've written teaching guides for the MCE Tarbiya curriculum and served as a trainer for teachers in Madaris in North America. Um, I'm also the Tarbiya curriculum coordinator in North America for Nasimco Center of Islamic Learning. And I'm also a member of the Joffrey uh, um, Education Committee of the ISIJ of Toronto and run a program that's very close to my heart, uh, along with a, a very uh, able team. And uh, the program is called Book Cloud. It's a book club for children. And I'm very, very honored today to be in this discussion with my esteemed panelists, uh, Sheikh Bilal Hussain and Dr. Farooq Bandali. Um, I'm going to start uh, with my introduction. So Sheikh Bilal needs, does not need an introduction, especially if you are in the North American community. He was born and raised in New York. Um, he's a graduate of the Temple University in Philadelphia with a degree in finance. He has studied in the seminary of Najaf al-Ashraf for over 10 years, mashallah, and currently he's a resident alim for the Shiat Nashri Jamaat of New York Center. His work as a cleric in the US is focused on the development of the next generation by helping them develop a well-informed identity of what it is to be a Muslim and how to live according to our faith in a foreign land. Um, a much needed project for sure. Uh, Sheikh Bilal is the director of the Zahra Trust USA, a humanitarian relief organization that works with orphans, widows, and refugees around the world. Uh, besides his accolades, he has a great sense of humor and his chai and chat, chat, chai and chat sessions are something to look out for. Uh alaikum Sheikh Bilal, how are you doing today? Alaikum salam Glad to have the opportunity to have a great conversation about digital learning while doing digital learning. Inshallah. Okay, so my next esteemed guest is Dr. Farooq Bandali. Dr. Farooq has his Doctor of Pharmacy from the University of Texas at Austin. He then completed two years of residency with focus in critical care and also holds a teaching certificate. He subsequently was a professor and clinician at Rutgers in New Jersey for nine years. Uh, he's been working in pharmaceutical and medical device for the last six years in uh, medical education and research. And he's the co-founder of Taqwa Media, an Islamic publishing and uh, distribution company, and has employed a varied uh, digital technology as a clinician, academician, um, researcher, Islamic publisher, and distributor. Uh, Dr. Farooq and I have worked together uh, in the past as teacher trainers for the MC Therbia curriculum. Um, he's the father of two, loves hiking and telling stories. So, assalamu alaikum, Dr. Farooq. How are you doing today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah sister Sadaf. I, I too am very excited to be holding this digital education just like Sheikh Bilal um, is in this digital space. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Sheikh Bilal. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Okay, so our topic today is Islamic, uh, digital Islamic education. In February 2020, COVID-19 impacted us in unprecedented ways. Uh, it affected the way we live, the way we grow, the way we contribute. Uh, one that one area that it has uh, specially affected us is how we all learn. It has affected children, parents, students, teachers, scholars, communities, and the global society. We have had to pivot and quickly adopt to digital ways of engaging. 
So however, the challenge has been uh, now, now more than ever, uh, we are living busier lives. Um, you know, our bosses expect us to be online all the time and we're constantly plugged into the virtual digital world. In the spirit of reform, the title of today's session is Digital Islamic Learning, Digital Islamic Education. And we're going to be using this platform to address some fundamental questions that we have had on our minds and inshallah address the, the discussion holistically. Um, I'm going to navigate through the discussion by asking um, uh, Dr. Farooq and uh, Sheikh, Hussain, Sheikh Bilal questions. So I'm going to start with Dr. Bandali, uh, Dr. Farooq Bandali. Um, so we've been living in a world of information overload, uh, Dr. Bandali. In 2009, there was a Harvard uh, Business Review titled Death by Information Overload. Uh, there's an exponential increase in channels to refuse uh, to receive the digital information. And there was an, a recent article showed that there are more than 100 plus uh, social media websites uh, that were created in 2021. Now, I as a parent, as a teacher, as a mom, feel very overwhelmed in navigating and how much information is available to us. Um, there have been a lot of courses that have been offered and you just don't know what you want to sign up for and what you don't. So with all your experience as parent and educator, how do we how do you think that we should navigate all of this and discern needed information from noise? Um for your question, uh, Sister Sadaf. Um Rajim, Rahim, and also thank you for your kind introduction. So you know, before I answer the, the question, I wanted to congratulate everybody on the on the birth anniversary of Imam Ali alayhi salam. I wanted to uh, also share our condolences to everyone uh, on the death anniversary of, of Sayyidah Zainab alayhi salam and thank uh, say Jawad Kazwini and the entire team uh, to organize this uh, this conference and also um, really honored and pleasure to be here amongst this uh, esteemed scholar. So, you know, back to your question, we navigate needed information and Islamic information uh, from noise through defining our purpose. And and the, the crux is, as Muslims, where can we go and find our, our purpose? And the best place really is the Holy Quran. There are two verses that I wanted to share. So the first verse, uh, when we look at the Holy Quran from a purpose definition, is in chapter 51, 56 through 8, where Allah has said, I have created the jinn and the, and, and, and the humans to, to worship me. Um, and other translators have translated this as, as, as serving me. So if you were to take this idea of serving Allah, you're not, by, by serving Allah, you are serving, you, you also must serve Allah's creation. The second verse is 67:2, where Allah says in the Quran the idea of that we are we are we have we are we have created a test with those with the best deeds. So, if, if we think about sort of the intention behind Islamic education, it is really to help us holistically, and and so it, it is intended to help us think and speak um, and behave um, and 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 really feel, and. To be able to navigate these life struggles um, and to be able to attain happiness and felicity, both in this world and the hereafter. So the, 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 the case that I want to make today is as professionals, um, as students, as, as teachers, we navigate our, if, if we were to go down the road and say life is comprised of mind, body and soul, and if we all agree on this concept, we would note that we go through our mind and body in a formalized and structured manner. What, what do I mean? 
whether you're a pharmacist, whether you are a social worker, journalist, it doesn't matter. You go to you go to go get an education for almost you know you know 14, 16, 18 years and hold a career. For those that focus in also on body health, you think about what you're going to eat and how you're going to exercise. But yet we relegate our spiritual growth and the growth of our soul to an unformalized and an unstructured approach. Let me make an art, let me make give an example. If I was to think about myself and say, if I'm in, in my 40s and I have been to, for example, um, you know, 40 Muharrams, if you were to ask me, you know, your first Muharram when you were 15 and you can recall, um, do you recall learning Islam 101 and then the second year Islam 102, so on and so forth? And the, and the answer, you know, the audience, most, if you ask most people, they'll say, no, that is not the case. And, and the reason is because it was not designed for that. Um, it was designed for a different purpose. And so if we think about sort of all the noise that exists out there, um, and, 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 and ask, how do we receive, you know, needed information from noise? The reality is to really, you know, get to the, the crux and to really go to the Quranic purpose. There's a, a final point before I, I pass it back to Sister Sadaf um, that I wanted to make. And, and that is the, the idea that Islamic education is thought to be for young children and for tweens and for teens. In reality, it is actually for everybody. It is the most important thing we can be doing, more important than any of our other roles. And so there's a hadith that we all know, it's not new from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And, and the hadith says, get knowledge from the cradle to your grave. So if I was to present this idea, which is not a new idea, one of the critics or criticisms about this is most people will say, we don't have time. So, you know, we, we live busy lives and, and, and if we're trying to receive, you know, you know, needed information from everything else that's out there through our purpose, um, how are we going to navigate this? And so recent research has really depicted the idea that, you know, previously we were taught for the longest time, manage your time. Now more and more I work in corporate, you know, we get trained to say, um, it is not about time management, it's really about priority management, energy management. Figure your purpose and then go after the, 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 the priority management and the energy management. So Jazakumullah, uh, sister, for, for your question, and I, I hope that, that answered your question. Thank you very much, Dr. Farooq. Um, it did. Um, so Sheikh Bilal, now that Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Bandali has spoken about the purpose, um, I would like you to tell me how how can we how can we benefit from digital learning and what digital resources um, are available to us right now? You know, uh, the idea of digital learning is, is actually bridging a gap that exists for especially the Western world. One of the things that we suffer from the Western world is our environment isn't a Muslim environment. So our interaction with Islam typically becomes limited to either, for example, in the Husseiniya or specifically at home. And outside of that, it's very difficult to have access to, to Islam. With the advent of digital learning and the availability of digital resources, we can now create a more complete Islamic environment that I can be exposed to Islam in locations other than simply the Husseiniya, other than simply when I'm at home with my family. That's a really important concept that allows us to now 
bring about that shortcoming that we had of living in Western countries, not being able to talk about Islam, not being able to see Islam on a regular basis, to now making Islam a part of our day-to-day -day lifestyle and a more comprehensive view of our environment. Another great factor about this is opening up to individual learning, right? Historically, what happens is, is we have a lecture. We go and we sit in the lecture. Now, it may happen that, for example, the needs of my community, the lecture is well reflected to fit the needs of my community, but not my unique individual needs. For example, it may be something that I heard as a lecture before. It may be something I've read about. But the limitation of my availability to Islamic knowledge was that one lecture that was happening in my community center. Now, with the advent and the availability of digital information, I can continue my learning and growth process individually as opposed to only being able to access those resources that my community center makes available to me, which is a great process to open up for ourselves. Also, the other factor that we take advantage of digital learning is by learning about source material. Many times when we want to have a conversation about faith, we say, I heard. Most conversations, it's one person who has listened to one lecture, talking to a person who has not listened to that lecture or listened to a different lecture, and the conversations, well, I heard them say this, I heard this before, I've heard this before. Now imagine that by the use of these digital resources, when I have a religious conversation, I can reference source material. I can go back and I can read these books and have access to information that otherwise would have been foreign or difficult for me to have access to. This is a great concept that opens up the availability of information. And let me tell you something, this isn't a hypothetical situation I'm talking about. I'm not saying that this is something in the future we'll be able to do. Alhamdulillah, we can do it today. Whether we look at full-time learning institutions for our children that are available online now and are using digital platforms to give full-time education to our children, whether, alhamdulillah, Waliul Asar School in Canada is doing a great job with this, uh, the RISE Academy out of Sabah Center in California is doing this. We have a variety of online Hausa projects that are available. eHausa out of Sydney, Australia is running. Uh, we have the Mizan Institute in Texas running. These institutions are sitting there providing us detailed information. We have a variety of, for example, digital libraries that are available now, whether we take a look at the Al-Islam Library, Islamic Mobility, we take a look at uh, Wikishia even now is stepping up and becoming a great resource that people can access, and a variety of other materials. The content is now out there. It's about us availing the opportunity to make Islam a part of our lifestyle. And that's something hopefully platforms like this where we're having these conversations will inshallah open us up to the opportunity of availing these chances and looking more for digital learning. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Sheikh Bilal. Um, so Dr. Farooq, in 2021, what role do you think parents and teachers, uh, in 2021, what roles do you think teachers and parents will play in supporting children and students to be successful in Islamic education? Yeah, you know, I, I, just to piggyback on what Sheikh Bilal was saying, I think quite simply, you know, the role we play both as teacher, as parents and teachers is to be role models. So our child and our student sees what we do more than hears what we say. So as to speak, we're having to walk our talk. Yeah, so it, it is important um, to embark on this journey of Islamic education, but now because of COVID-19, we have been thrust into and forced into this digital space. And as, as a clinician as, and somebody who's got experience in infectious disease, you know, I'm concerned that, you know, COVID or COVID-like phenomenon are really here to stay in some sort of a hybrid model. And so if, 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 you know, it, nobody can predict the future, but if 
if we are having to navigate this, you know, one of our roles as parents and as teachers is to take our families and our children to heaven, is to take our students to heaven, right? And so in, in my lived experiences, the challenges that we see, um, you know, faced whether in families or in communities, it, it, you know, exists and there's deep amounts of challenges and it exists in my humble opinion, I think it is this lack of sort of spiritual you know, growth that 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 that, or or, or the spiritual journey that is undertaken in in a systematic and uh, in, in a formalized manner. So, if if I haven't challenged myself with the question, you know, what does God expect of me, or how do I build out a relationship with God, with with God, my parents, my fam, my 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 spouse, my children, community members, friends, stra even strangers. I am more likely to then face these numerous self-imposed challenges. So in, in, in summary, you know, I, I feel it's a lifelong learning process and, and really the role that we can play is to embark on becoming role, you know, becoming better and better, you know, role models in the spirit of reform that, that, that this conference is about. Yeah, inshallah. Thank you, uh, Dr. Farooq. Um, so Sheikh Bilal, now that we've briefly discussed the role of the parents and the teachers, uh, with all that's out there, um, what do we need to be careful of when evaluating this digital content? So, in the same way that there's nothing that's absolutely good in today's world, there's nothing that's absolutely harmful and bad. We have concerns, we are worried about the content that we expose our children to, we are worried about the content that we're exposed to. And part of that is, is not accepting everything at face value. There's a few points to pay attention to here. First and foremost, is paying attention to making sure that what we're following and what we're listening to is validated information. Who are we reading? What are we reading? Who are we listening to? What are we watching? One of the advents of digital learning that we've seen that is somewhat problematic is what's the forward? Forwarding, posting information without being sure, what am I posting? What's the real value add? Did I make sure that what I'm saying is truthful? Am I conscientious of the content that's being passed around? This is a really big responsibility that if my name and my identity is going to be tied to a piece of information, it's not sufficient enough that I click the share button or I forward it, but rather did I validate, am I sure that what I'm saying and what I'm sharing comes from an authentic source, that information is correct? This type of validation becomes very important, especially in today's day and age where there are many people who want to speak on our behalf and share information. Uh, we have the advent of fake news. And whereas it was considered something that was rare, that didn't happen very often, the, in the past four years, it's become commonplace and it's almost become accepted that this is part of the content that's out there and it's on the, the reader, the listener, to be conscientious, to pay attention to, to notice the details and see, am I what I'm listening to? Is it correct? Is this okay? Further to that, aside from just paying attention to the validity of information, we now need to now start talking about, is this good for me? Am I reading something that's appropriate for me? Is there really a value add by this information? And to that end, censorship is very important. And censorship is still valid. We need to be censoring our children when they're accessing information. We need to censor ourselves. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, back when, unfortunately, the Daesh-ISIS situation started, these Daesh and ISIS individuals started posting terroristic videos. And unfortunately, the caliber of these videos was things that, for example, were acts of war that were being put in video and put out onto the internet. And not just people, but children started watching these videos. And some of them were very graphic. 
And let me tell you something, just because it exists and it's out there doesn't mean we should be consuming it. Think about it this way, right? Acts of war historically, if a person lived through a war, you weren't normal after that experience. Your life was changed, your personality was changed, you were a different person because of that act of war. Now all of a sudden I'm putting it on the internet and I'm letting everybody see it. How is it possible for people to process this information and still be normal? This is a problematic approach. So we have to be careful and conscientious and censorship is really important even with the regard of talking about censoring who has the right to speak about Islam? What are the topics that should be discussed? And we have to validate every piece of information. Is it truthful? Is it useful? Is it beneficial? What's the long-term impact of this information on me, on my children, before I go and I bring something into my house? So this is stuff that we really do have to keep working on, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you, Sheikh Bilal. Um, so, Dr. Farooq, uh, back to you. Um, how should parents and teachers do, um, be empowered to nurture growth in families and students? Um, are you aware of any case studies where communities have efficiently employed digital tools to promote Islamic education? Sure. Thank you for your question. I think there's a two-part question here, and this, this response may take slightly long. But uh, uh, um, so when it comes to the idea of empowering parents and teachers, you know, I think there has been a, there has been almost four decades of research, you know, looking at trying to assess student development um, in, in in classroom settings, and 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 you know how, how do how. And, and translating those assessments even in Islamic schools and weekend schools and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and the reality of the matter is, is, is the, the whole assessment, as important as it is, you know, the, the crux of this is, does it translate into change in behavior? And, and I think I think this, this idea of, of change in behavior is where there, is where there is much growth, there is some additional growth that is needed. But I'd like to love to turn back to you know, and it's two Islamic principles, and it's not intent. This this next discussion is not intended in in, in its to be in any depth. And, and and Sheikh Bilal here, as a scholar, can certainly inform you know to this topic much better than I can. Having said that, though, I would like to sort of you know give the idea of that we, we all must have heard about before. This is probably likely not new. It's the idea of murakaba and muhasaba. The way I I, I to you know, to break it down quite simply, it's. In the morning, you wake up and you set goals. In the evening, you go and you you, you self-assess. Yeah, and 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 so, I, I think one of the things that 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 parents can do is to implement this. Now, you know, our viewers likely there may be people from a, 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 an entire spectrum where people have already implemented this, and they may be seeing success. And there may maybe some of us who are still new to this idea and trying to figure this out. I, I think it's a phenomenal Islamic principle, and one of the ideas when when talking about murakaba and muhasaba from a family perspective, you know, I, I think when we self when we self assess and be critical of ourselves, we should take the approach of looking at virtues. So the virtue of love for God, the virtue of um, you know, the, the the virtue of uh, honesty and compassion, patience, respect. You know, and and with one of my favorites uh, in terms of virtues is the idea of nobility. When I think about nobility, um, I'm thinking about you know the, the Islamic principle of makarimul akhlaq. It translates quite simply to I'm kind to those who are kind to to me. Right, and so one of the 
one of the areas that, that we are most likely to have a challenge with is those that are most closest to us, our family, our friends, our community members. And so I, I think this idea of muraqaba and muhasaba, you know, can really help with this behavioral aspect in, in the family. But at the same time, I feel like Islamic weekend schools, as well as, um, as, well as um, Islamic schools, uh, full-time schools, can continue to hone in on those that have already implemented this. So that's one piece to your question. The other question was, you know, are there any, any communities that have implemented this and, and, or any case studies per se? So I, I can speak to uh, three. So one, you know, case study for myself is a, is a community that I have been involved with now for the last three years. And this community has existed now for upwards of, 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 of 10 plus years in, 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 in different forms, a digital-based community. It's under the leadership of uh, Sheikh Dr. Muhammad Ali Shamali. And, and, and it was initially established, um, you know, um, because people were in, in, in Canada and in, in, in UK, it was established to promote learning through a number of different ways, through, through a digital platform. This is way before COVID, by the way, obviously. And, 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 and then subsequently, there were retreats that were being held. Currently, in my, in my, to the best of my knowledge, I think there are 300 plus families engaged in different formats. One of the most amazing principles about a community like this, one of the principles by which it's founded on is the idea of social wilaya. Social wilaya is, is, is that my job is to gain the pleasure of Allah. In order to do so, I must gain the pleasure of the believer by the learned, by the teachings of the Holy Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt. And, and, and so I, I think there has been there has been amazing success in developing such communities under such leadership um, that can really help us propel. A second is this none other than Sheikh Bilal. You know, um, I, I don't, I, Sydney is far from me in New York. I live in New Jersey. But, but, but Sheikh Bilal, not only in his weekends classes, but also uh, during the week, engages children, young children. Um, and through his relationship building, my son is part of it and, and, and is thirsty to be part of his sessions. Yeah, and, and so I think the idea of relationship building, this idea of social walaya is, 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 is huge. The third is you mentioned the Terbiya curriculum. I think the Terbiya curriculum is, 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 um, is amazing in that it has employed current day methodology from a pedagogical perspective. And because of COVID, we've had to now implement um, this digitally, you know, in US and, 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 and Canada. So, so, so I hope this sort of answers the, the, the twofold question that you had for me. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Farooq. So Sheikh Bilal, um, in closing, we have like around four more minutes left. Um, so given the adoption of digital technology, do you feel community centers will become obsolete? And do you have any other uh, words of advice for us? You know, the, the idea, does the community center become obsolete, reminds me of the joke where a man comes to the sheikh and says, sheikh, uh, I saw jama'ah, people were praying in jama'ah on TV. When I'm at home, can I pray jama'ah with them? The sheikh replies, sure. And then after that, put a black cloth on your fridge and do tawaf too. <laughs> no, digital learning is not taking the place of a community center. Rather, digital learning is something that should be expanding the role of the community center in our environment. It makes the community more important for us. It creates, first off, the community center now adds on the responsibility of creating and directing people to content and information to help them through this process uh, of navigating all that's out there. We also take a look and we see about the, the, the idea that this community center now helps people bridge the digital divide. 
that there does exist the digital divide today in our communities, whether we take a look at seniors, immigrant families, young families that don't have access to the same resources, and we need to rely on our community center to create and promote those tools and resources so that everyone in our community can adapt and develop the information that's there. Second to that, and, and in addition to that, it's very important to remember that Islam is not simply knowledge. It's about character. It's about spirituality. It's about that community. When we see our Holy Prophet telling us that a blind man who comes to him and says, Ya Rasulullah, is it allowed for me since I'm blind to pray at home or must I go to the masjid? And the Rasulullah said, even if there needs to be a string tied from your house to the masjid, go to the masjid. That's telling us the importance of that community and that interaction that comes. Learning is not simply the book. Learning is not simply the lecture. It's the interaction. There was a pious sayyid who used to tell me, he says, I heard when my youth and I tell you today, more learning is done in the hallways than in the classrooms. In Najaf, there's a statement that you learn that there's knowledge on the wind in the city of Najaf. All of these talk about, and the point of these statements is to talk about that communal aspect. We can't and we will never break away our community because our prophet enforced this concept. And we look at digital learning as a supplement to our community. We look at it in addition to our community, not in place of our community. And, 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 and which is why one of, one of the key things that we're taking a look at is this process of continued growth and development and the adaptation to new information and knowledge and improving our process of learning and development. In, in, in a final note, what I'll mention is this. There was a time in the history of Islam where we were at the head of science, math, and medical, uh, medical infrastructure. All of these things were our leading sources. And then eventually Europe overtook this process and we were no longer the leaders of this knowledge and information. What happened was, was that the advent of the printing press was something that the Ottoman Empire refused to adapt to. So the rest of the world took knowledge and books and information and spread and grew. And we went from being leaders to followers in all of these subjects. Today, we have an opportunity again that as technology is developing and resources are developing, are we going to take a backseat and let others lead the process of education and learning? Or are we going to adapt and learn from this process? And that's why this is an important conversation that inshallah we continue to keep developing. Thank you very much, Sheikh Bilal. Um, I would like to end here. And I would like to say that 30 minutes is not enough for this discussion. Um, there's a lot more that we would all like to say on this. But inshallah, you all benefit for, benefited from it. And Sheikh Bilal, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, Dr. Farooq, thank you for, um, for all the information that you shared with us. If you would like to get resources from Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Farooq, you can follow him on Instagram at Taqwa Media, and he will inshallah share whatever he can. Um, and with that, I would like to end. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much, everybody. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam.